0: Have you ever been in a situation where you had to defend what God had called you to do? Well, on today's episode, we're going to be seeing Paul not only defending his authority as an apostle, but the message that God had given him to proclaim to the world. So get out your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 1, and let's jump into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I pray you are blessed in the Lord. Thank you guys once again for joining me as we continue our study in the book of Galatians. Now, we've dropped a couple episodes in this new book that we've been exploring here on the podcast. I pray it's been a blessing to you as we go verse by verse through the Bible in chronological order. So as always, if you've missed any previous episodes, you could always go to the place that you get our podcast and leave a review. I'm actually not really good at that when I go around traveling and stuff like that and telling people to leave reviews or subscribe to my channel, that sort of thing. I got to get better. I realize that, but it is a way for you guys to support the work that we're doing. So if you, um, you know, have enjoyed this podcast and it's been just a, a fruitful time for you as you've been growing in your knowledge and love for God's word, will you please do us a favor and leave a review wherever you get this podcast and share it with your friends. But go to standstrongministries.org, click on podcast. You'll see our gospel, the, you know, the gospel series that we did, the Acts series that we did, now the Galatian series that we're going through right now. And so it's been just a, a rich time for me, as always, as we just kind of go through scripture verse by verse. And so take advantage of that stuff. So today's podcast 162. And the message that we're going to be looking at is Paul defending his authority and his gospel message and so we're gonna be looking at Galatians 1 11 through 14 now let me just bring you up to speed uh, contextually of what we had just covered in the previous podcast now we were talking about not being fooled into believing a false gospel so remember in verses 1 through 5 Paul was defending and again he's picking things up again where he's gonna be defending his position and I'll read that in a minute but when you look through verses 6 through 10 and Paul calls out this desertion that, that these people are going through in abandoning the grace of Christ. Remember, they're getting sucked into certain Jewish customs and rituals, looking at the observance of Torah, circumcision. And, and when we get into chapter two, we're gonna see that there is an open debate that Paul has with Peter himself. And then a few years later, because again, we're, we're saying that Galatians is written about eighty forty seven, 47. And then when we see the council in Acts 15, more than likely is no later than 80, 49, 80, 50. So Paul confronting Peter and saying, hey, get your act together. Don't compromise in the faith. It's not work-based. We're saved by grace. We're justified by faith through the grace of Jesus Christ. Not circumcision, not mosaic law, you know, not being, you know, pure observers of the law because in this same letter, Paul will later go on to argue in Galatians chapter uh, three And also in chapter five, that if you're saying circumcision saves you, if you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. If you're looking at the Mosaic law, then you have to abide by all of the law. And the great thing is you and I know, the law in itself is not sinful. It's our tutor, we'll see that in Galatians 3. So it, it points out our flaws, our mistakes. That's why when Christ says, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. That's important, my friends. Because we can't go to the other extreme of saying, well, we're not under the law, so the heck with all of it. And we're kind of like freely living by grace. If the law was bad, Jesus would have abolished it. But notice the law came from God. And God, who is perfect, cannot make mistakes. And so Paul is getting into this, you guys, with the Galatians. And he was talking about, you know, a group of people who are turning away from the truth and going to a distorted view, a perverted version of the gospel, right? And that was important where we see Paul calling out this false perversion. Or I should just say, just, you know, this, this, uh, this mistaken identity of the gospel. And he says in verse 8 that even if an angel, now that was important, remember, because in that culture, many people would come out with practices or mystical things or visionary uh, claims revelations prophecies whatever and they would say they were visited or they encountered an angel a spirit being who revealed these things to them and so many movements and false worldviews right around uh, uh, animistic paganistic uh, ritualistic you know uh, religiosity would would come from that and it would cause a lot of people to turn to that type of perversion and so Paul is saying that you guys, even in this culture we live in, of people saying an angel said this, but it runs contrary to what we preach to you. And he says, let them be anathema, let them be accursed. And so these are, so this is again, remember, anathema is turning over a false teacher to the destruction in hell. So this was a huge, not just accusation, but it was condemning these false teachers for what they said and how they led people straight so paul confronts that right and he and then says in verse 10 that he did not seek the approval of man but he's seeking the approval of god and this is so important because this is oftentimes what happens when people do start compromising the message if people have itching ears and they don't want to hear the truth and that leader whose responsibility is to teach people the truth but starts caving giving in seeking the interests of others or trying to make people feel more comfortable and giving them a more appealing or suitable message, what's going to happen? They will start teaching something that is false. They will compromise. And Paul clearly says here, you guys, that if you're pleasing man, you're not a servant of Christ. Now, as I'm transitioning now into our new passage today, in verses 11 through 14, Verse 10 acts as a transition into what we're going to be now discussing on today's podcast. But let me just let, you know, give us some time to let this sink in. Think about this. If you are looking at the leadership that is in your church right now, think about the leadership that you're under right now. Ask yourself, how many of them, you may not know this, you may not know this. So I'm not holding you guys to this and faulting you for not knowing this. Because a lot of you guys maybe attend a church where it's big and, you know, maybe the pastors are not as friendly or maybe they're just so busy, which I think a lot of is a cop out, but we'll say that for a later discussion. But let's just say you don't know them as well. And I'm not expecting you to know some of your leadership like you know, you know, maybe your small group, you know, people who attend your small group. But just ask yourself this, are the people that you're under, do they please God? Do they seek the approval of God or are they seeking the approval of man? Do you see compromise in their leadership? Because Paul says, if they're pleasing man, then they're not a servant of Christ. What does that mean? It means that their ministry is not legit. And that sounds harsh, but it's true. And I think we have to confront that. We have to face up to that. I I talked to so many people in my travels and I mean, we're talking years of discussion. Even just recently, I was talking to a pastor who was a mega pastor in different arenas and just how he's been burned and even the people he's replaced, how that's not been healthy. Now that's not the norm. But in our day and age, it seems like that's progressively getting worse, doesn't it? Where not only there are fallout in the church, but there's also deconversions going on among people who are leading these churches. And that is not just scary. It doesn't just concern me. I would say, guys, in all honesty, and I'm speaking from my heart to my audience, to my community of brothers and sisters out there listening to this podcast, it troubles me deeply. And it should trouble you. And I oftentimes look at Galatians 1:10 and say, "If these people are out there pleasing man and they're building a performance, and it's all to cater to what people are feeling and what they want to experience, these are not legitimate servants of Christ." Now again, notice, Paul doesn't say here that they're not saved. What he's saying is based on my ministry and what God has called me to do and theirs, I'm legit. I'm seeking the approval of God. I'm a servant of Christ. But anything contrary to what I've demonstrated to you guys is false. So when we have less of a standard and we turn away from Christ and scripture, the standard becomes whatever you have on stage. And that should never be the standard. Now, don't get me wrong. When. Paul says, imitate me for I imitate Christ. Yes, your leaders are to point you to Christ. But you have to make sure, my friends, that these are servants of Christ based on the fact that they're not seeking to please or to appeal to the fleshly desires of the people in their congregation. So, enough said, I think, about that. So now let's look at verses 11 through 14, where now Paul is going to reemphasize, he's going to reiterate his credentials his authority that was given by Christ and the message that, that follows it. And that's important. He has the authority and he's given the message. Remember, Christ in Acts 9 appeals, he, he, he confronts him, he appears to him, and then he sends Ananias, who some people think at that point he comes to saving faith in Jesus Christ, not necessarily on the road of Damascus, but it was a process. Either way, he at, at the point in which the scales fall off his eyes, he is a believer in Jesus Christ. And so it's pretty, di- you, know, uh, you know, it's not just hyperbole, but it's pretty dramatic of, of the encounter and what happens to Paul. And rightly so, because he did a 180 when Paul, after, you know, he, can, he, he gets this encounter with Jesus and Ananias. And so when he's talking about his credentials here, as we're going to see, notice how he defends it with passion, you guys. And he's not going to back down. This is so important because whatever, whatever role you play in your local church, in your home life, in your job, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are called to be the salt. We are the salt of the earth, right? We are to be the light of the world. And so we are all, to some extent, utilizing the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us to bring glory and honor to the Lord. So in a way, we are like leaders. We are the voice of God in, in, in many instances when we're sharing the gospel, demonstrating the love of Christ, helping people through pain and discomfort, answering people's questions when they are struggling. Why God? Why this? Where is he? And when you step in there, that's a leadership role that you're playing. So that will look differently for different people But also I want my listeners who are in roles where you're teaching the word of God regularly. And it's not just that you have an audience, but God has put people under your leadership. I want you to one, think of the authority as we look at Paul's authority. Now, of course, he's an apostle, we're not. But nonetheless, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a delegated authority from Christ. And with that comes his message that we're not to compromise in. So keep that in mind as we look at these verses. So let's pick things up here in verse 11 for for where Paul picks up here and says, for I would have you know. That's an interesting phrase, by the way. It's an emphatic statement, okay? So he's basically putting on a performance, not in a bad, fleshly, look at me way, but he's basically putting on a performance in the sense of this is his opening speech, like a debate. And he says, for I would have you know, brothers, that, the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel for I did not receive it from any man nor was I taught it but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ For you have heard of my former life in Judaism how I persecuted now that Greek word means I was persistently in great effort causing violence So let me rephrase it now He says for you have heard of my former life in Judaism how I was constantly causing chaos and violence in the church of God. Violently, and I tried to destroy it. That's a great depiction if you think about it. That's how intense Saul of Tarsus was at the time. Verse 14, and I was advancing. That literally means I was blazing ahead in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. So again, very quick in this section, but as always on this podcast, we want to go verse by verse and get into deeper understanding and meaning of the text. So let's do that, shall we? So if you go back to verse 11 here and this emphatic statement that he opens up about the gospel is not man's gospel. So we would say in a prophetic sense, when Jonah hears from God and he says, he says, salvations of God in, in Jonah 2. I believe it's a verse 9. And that's in essence what Paul is saying here, that the message that we give people, that they can be justified by faith. If you actually go back to Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, when he said, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So that message, it, let's just kind of, you know, in layman's terms so we can understand the process in which God did that, giving us salvation, sending his son, et cetera, was not man's doing. And then he says in verse 12, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay. So one is, it's important to understand that he is reemphasizing, reiterating, if you will, his credentials as an apostle, because there are many false teachers who are out there telling lies. And so he had to back up his message. You know how sometimes you have to defend yourself? Well, you know, I'm doing what I did because I was given authority by such and such, right? So it kind of overrides whatever somebody else is saying. That's what Paul's doing here. But he's stressing that he had received and now is preaching a message that, is not origi- that did not originate from him nor from other men. Now, again, as he talked about uh, later in verse 12 and 13, that he was, he was far more advanced in Judaism than other people. But all the stuff he learned from Gamaliel and others, this message was not taught to him by these men. This isn't something they formulated on their own. Now, of course, at this point in time, you know, Paul years later, who's now been saved for quite some time. If you look at the track record that we talked about a little bit in the book of Acts. And then, of course, we'll see in the, in the book of Galatians, you know, the kind of the time stamping of what happened to him after he was converted in Acts chapter 9, he had definitely heard the gospel being preached by Stephen. You know, we don't know the details. Luke doesn't give an account of the details of what Ananias said, you know, in specificity, right, in volume to, to Paul when he encountered him. And when Barnabas was spending time with Paul and presenting him to the apostles, we don't know all that Barnabas taught Paul along the way as well in preaching the gospel. The point is through the revelation of Jesus Christ, member who sanctified and called him to deliver the gospel, God was already using people to speak this truth into Paul's life, but at, at no given time, from Stephen's standpoint, and Ananias, Barnabas, or anyone for that matter, the Jewish council themselves in Jerusalem, they did not originate the gospel from the Souths. So this phrase, nor was I taught it. So this is this is an interesting phrase because you've got to put, this is, this is actually cool if you think about it. When you think of Paul, no one was at his level, you guys, from what he understood about Judaism, the Torah, etc. This was a brilliant philosopher and legal scholar. So from the standpoint of a scribe and a Pharisee, I mean, Paul was at the highest order. He was a brilliant student. So when when he uses this phrase, he's going back to being so versed and versatile and not not only understanding the 1613 precepts 613 precepts that we you know we see throughout scripture and keeping keep to the law but also the commentary that comes and the different perspectives and interpretations from the halal the Shammais, et etc he knew all this stuff and so when he's saying this he's distinctively pointing out that his newfound faith and gospel message is far beyond okay it's far beyond the mere tradition and interpretation of his people. Now, we're not diminishing Judaism and the foreshadowing of the Messiah to come. you know, Because we see throughout the book of Acts, if you go back to, to Acts, you see numerous times, and even as Paul's doing here right now, arguing the case by using Scripture and seeing how Christ fulfilled it. So, he would literally align the scrolls, open up the scrolls and show them verbatim from the prophets, speaking of the Messiah and how Christ fulfilled those things, okay? But what he's saying here is that all the stuff that I learned does not match up, okay, to the gospel. Now, it was common practice, if you remember, for Jews to study commentary of the scriptures, right? And that, you know, actually were, were readings of the scriptures themselves. And so a lot of times they would read scriptures and they would read a lot of the interpretation or commentary of the scriptures and what other rabbis and scribes had said through the centuries. So he was well versed in those things themselves. But yet what he's saying is even in those interpretations, we missed it. It pales in comparison. So when he says, it didn't come from my Uh, traditions per se didn't come from the interpretations of experts who lived before I did It's through the receiving uh, of the revelation of Christ and and when you go back again this is important and we don't have time to dive into it but let me just give you three references when Paul specifically talked about the revelation of Jesus Christ you can go back at Acts 9 3 through 6 when Luke records that but also the account of Paul talking about in Acts 22, verses 14 through 16, in Acts 26, 15 through 18. Now, as mentioned earlier, if you go back to Galatians 1, 4 through 10, Christianity is not a works-based religion, right? It's through the revelation of Jesus Christ that we're justified by faith. It wasn't made up by groups of religious fanatics. Like, for example, and this is important because in our day and age, if you will, Obviously, at the time of Paul writing this, in the first century, Islam did not exist until the 7th century. Mormonism didn't come until the tail end of the 19th century going into the 20th century, right? But if you look at other revelations and other war religions that say they have the truth, look at Islam, for example. In Surah 5 verse 9, it says, to those who believe and do deeds of righteousness hath Allah promised forgiveness and a great reward. See, that runs contrary to the very thing that Paul's saying here. So in our day and age, just like we're not, we may not be encountering Judaizers like they were in, the, in, in his time, but we certainly are encountering Muslims. For example, on the day of judgment for the Muslim, they hope and pray that their good deeds will outweigh their bad ones. That's not what, how Christians relay the gospel. If Allah says that they will be forgiven of their sins, He will let them go into paradise if He desires, if He says that they did a good enough job. That's not how God treats us. So notice the work based religion of Islam that runs contrary to the gospel message in the, in the scriptures. What about Mormonism? You know, the gospel principles. Uh, there's, a, there's a writing that goes back in 1979. It's from the Corporation of the President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And it's on page 68 of the Gospel Principles. And it says this, quote, we accept Christ's atonement by repenting of our sins, being baptized, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and obeying all of the commandments. So it's not just believing in God, in Jesus, but it's also doing good meaning being kind, being fair, loving, etc. Developing moral character, repenting of sins, and attaining forgiveness of the atonement of Christ, being baptized, and participating in other Mormon ordinances, and of course, spreading the Mormon faith. If you do all of those things, as, as particularly for men who are progressing to become a god of their own planet, then you're quote-unquote saved. It's not just Christ's atonement. Again, that's what we deal with in our culture today. There are more Mormons in other parts of the world than, than clearly others, but so perhaps you never encountered a Mormon, but maybe you encounter more Muslims. The point is, these are world religions, you guys, that are based on a work-based religion. And Paul's saying that is false. So please, you guys, hear me. When you know the truth of the gospel, when Christ has revealed his truth to you and you read the scriptures as the authority of God's word and you accept him into your life as Lord and Savior, that is Jesus, and he's, ref- he's forgiven you of your sins, and you've asked him to come into your life as your Lord and Savior. It's not you have to do something else in order to solidify your salvation. Christ paid the penalty on the cross once and for all, Galatians 1.4. So now he says here, and again, he's reemphasizing this to, kind of, to confirm his message and authority in his authority and his message by saying, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism. So he's now using himself as an example. And this is important, you guys, because you could tell people, yes, the authority of Christ. Yes, the message that I give, test it to see if it's false. But also a third one now, when you have the authority and you have the message, you have a testimony. And you say, you know what? How can one refute what I was once like this, but now I have been completely changed? The answer, my friends, is Jesus Christ. So when Paul's saying, if you go back to my former life in Judaism, he says, I was out of control. I persistently try to bring out violence in the church of God. I was violent. I was vicious. I was trying to destroy it. And not only that, but in verse 14, I was advancing, meaning I was blazing ahead. I was far beyond. Maybe you've had a student a time or two in your course of, you know, going to school, university, college, whatever. And you had those really sharp, bright, brilliant students that were just far ahead of you that you couldn't even cat. You couldn't even... You weren't even in their class, right? Well, that was Paul. Paul was way ahead of his colleagues, of his peers. So when you think about it, who better to tell people not to get involved in religion than Paul? Because he knew it, right? He not only was deep in the bonds of religion, but he also understood the grace of Jesus Christ. And so Paul was, he was delivered from that. So he knows what he came out of. He knows the difference between the law lying to you or you, you know, more or less being fooled into believing that the law can save you. And he was zealous. Remember, he talks about that in Philippians 3. The more he was obedient to the law, the more he felt to be free. And yet he wasn't. Because you and I know that freedom does not come in the law. It comes in Christ. So Paul, he mentions Judaism because he wants to contrast his old life in the law to his new life in Christ. What a powerful example. And so we could do that today. You say, this was my life in the flesh, living for myself, and and this is the life that I now live in Christ. I love how the New King James Chronological Study Bible says, quote, and this is in reference to how Paul says he was persecuting the church. He says, reflecting on his time as a Pharisee, Paul counted himself amongst the most intense followers of the law, zealous to the point of using violence to protect Israel from Torah desecration. No wonder he persecuted the church. In the view of the Pharisees, the first Christians as a Jewish group that was lax in the observance of the law represented the defilement of Israel. Saul, the Pharisee, had lived out his commitment to Israel through the law. Paul, the apostle, would live it out through Jesus Christ, end quote, in the referencing Philippians 3, 7 through 9, as I mentioned earlier. So when he's saying he was so extremely zealous, Paul, when he goes back to his past life and religion, and he's seeing how fanatic he was in keeping and preserving the entirety of the law, again, Despite his zealous life, it not once delivered him from his sin, and he says that in Acts chapter twenty six nine through eleven. Matter of fact, let me just go ahead and read to you guys the pedigree that he lists as a Pharisee in Philippians three four through six. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more confidence. He says, why? Verse five. I was circumcised on the eighth, on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So, and not only that, but when he's using this term that he followed and learned from the traditions of of his fathers, what he's referring to here is the rabbinic and oral teachings of the law. So again, he was so far advanced that's known as, as Halakha, that, that are considered equal to the Torah. And, you know, most scholars, they were actually incapable of mastering the various complexities and interpretations of the, of the law, except for who? Except for Paul. So when you had the minimum requirements, if you will, of memorization and studying of certain ter- interpretations, it's like base level. But he was far more uh, advanced. Because he had an expert knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures and the oral traditions, which were huge back then, you guys. So he was able to run off into those areas and debate people on them. So if if you had a text in scripture and you had multiple interpretations or oral traditions that came from it, he was able to give you basically the rundown of all the major interpretations. And so a big difference now that we, you know, he's, that he's, you know, Paul is referencing is that even as a Pharisee, your way of viewing scripture, interpreting the law is very minuscule. And yet remember, they're the experts. They thought they knew best. And now as of an apostle of Jesus Christ, being free in Christ, being forgiven of his sins, he realized how lost and blind he was. And so I ask you guys, when you think about how much authority do we think we have outside of Christ? What message are we really conveying to people? I mean, when you really look at it, how much ministry? We just talked about, again, the challenge of being a man pleaser versus a God pleaser. And we know that if you're looking to please man, you're not a servant of Christ. And so, again, going through verses 11 through 14, if your focus. Is on yourself. And what you're trying to accomplish. It's all in vain. It's all in vain. You know Paul said in Acts 22 verse 3. I am a Jew. I was born in Tarsus in Cilicia. I was brought up in the city. I was educated at the feet of Gamaliel. According to the strict manner of the law of our fathers. Being zealous for God. As all of you are. This day. So he He realized as someone who was advanced in education in scripture. And again, remember he was a Roman citizen. So the the thing about Paul, you guys, was not that he just understood Judaism, if you will, but he also understood as a Greek-speaking Jew, Greek philosophy. And as a Roman citizen, he knew the law. So he was passionate in his philosophy in the Jewish sense, in the Greek sense, and in the Roman sense. And yet, his authority did not come in that. And you think about how much of our quote-unquote authority is in our education, our platform, or money, or whatever, fill in the blank. And I'm saying to all of us, you guys, your authority, my authority, is in Jesus Christ. And we, in that authority, are to stick to the gospel message that we are clearly looking at here in this passage today. And so I remind you, as Paul said, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, peace does not come in the world. It doesn't come from the world. Nothing other than Christ can save you and I, can deliver us not only from our sins, but from the present evil age. And that's according to the will of God, our Father, who is to be glorified. We are never to compromise in that message. And that's why when people do turn away, like Paul, we should be astonished. And we should, in love, confront these people and speak the truth into them. If they're trying to desert or these deconversion stories that you and I are hearing, or somebody, you know, you got a ministry platform and they're just pleasing man, pleasing man or they start compromising on the message of the gospel, you guys have to call it out in the authority that Christ has delegated you to exercise. To stay clear from these false teachers, but to identify them. And not to be fooled into believing what they're saying, but to call them out. So make sure that when you guys are out there exercising your gifts, you're using them to advance the kingdom, that you're not compromising in the gospel and that like Paul, you and I can look at things and you know, we're blessed. Like I'm blessed to the people that, that have taught me. I'm blessed to the people who have mentored me. You guys know on this podcast, you know that Dr. Norman Geyser, who passed away a few years ago, you know, before he passed away, wrote 130 some odd books, uh, you know, was a master thinker, philosopher, theologian. And you know, there was a time or two in my younger years when he was personally investing hours upon hours of time into me and tons of meals and travel together. We even wrote a Q and A book together. And there was a time or two when I'd be like, yeah, you know, like, I'm, um, I'm in the know, or I just came out of a conversation with Dr. Geyser, and he even said to me, oh, well, you know, Jason, you know, great job. And I never thought of it that way. I'm like, Ooh, you know, it's like, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. You can have PhD after name. You can be doctor of so-and-so. Great. But your authority doesn't come from an institution that gives you that degree. Good job in working hard to get it, but use it for the glory of God and never use that as a substitute to the authority that you and I have in Christ. Cannot stress that enough. So I pray that this time that we've had together in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11-14 through 14, has been a blessing to you guys. That I'll continue to encourage you guys to stand strong in your faith and not compromise. So until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.